The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I say to you, as though it were any other thing, pouring rain and all, drenched from head to toe. Happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. It's wet, man. What the hell's going on? Yeah, it's raining. It's raining pretty good here in Los Angeles. It's uh, a thing that we don't see very often, but there is water falling from the sky, <laughs> and it has happened now several times over the last week, and it is going to continue. What? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> this is not why I live here. This is I know. this is not why I pay these premiums on, on my apartment rent. It's true, though. And then you go and you hit the road and everyone forgets how to drive in the first place, but they forget how to drive even more when it rains. Ugh. Ugh. Traffic galore. <sighs> Luckily, preschool is close. That is that is my saving grace. How are you, by the way? How's the last week been for you? I'll talk to you on Monday, I guess, but the people listening to the, the free pods don't know that. That's true. Uh, things have been busy, yeah, man. Thanksgiving, that was good. Uh, spent some time with the family, which is nice. Went on a little shopping spree. I weathered the malls, which weren't that bad, on a Saturday, I believe it was. Yeah, Cyber uh, Monday's bigger than Black Friday now. Yeah, it really is. It's funny how everyone just is afraid to go to the malls now and everything's done online. Uh, Amazon and basically every other place you want to go to online. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been all right. How busy, about, busy, uh, to say the least. Yeah, how about, uh, how about James Harden hitting 24 out of 24 free throws yesterday? How's that for uh, NBA action? How about Westbrook going seven for 30 and the Rockets saying that they really think that the NBA is going to award them the victory after a dunk that went through and came back up was not ruled two points. So they'll either award them the win or they'll replay the final seven and a half minutes because that is something the NBA would do is acknowledge a mistake and redo. Yeah, that seems that seems plausible. I cannot believe an actual reporter reported that like what makes you think that that would ever happen? No shot in hell. No. You know how many mistakes have been made over the last decade where you could replay the final minute or two of a game because it drastically changes the outcome? They're not going to do that. Get out of here. Yeah, it's not happening, man. Plus, I mean, look, uh, I- I'd be more on the side. Listen, they yeah, they missed the call. You know, I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Ball went through, popped back out. It's crazy. It's silly. Uh, there are a lot of other things that could have happened. Like, um, an old broadcaster buddy of mine, Brandon, do you ever meet Donnie Barnes? Yes. Yeah. So he used to like to talk about how sports are nonlinear. He's very right in that regard that you never know what would have happened if that play was different. This strategy changes for everybody based on one made bucket. So no, it's not happening. Um, and they're still comfortably in the fifth seed in the West. It's not like it knocked them out of the playoff picture. They were up a ton at the time. Like, get out of here. You blew the lead. Your two guards combined to shoot 10 for 1,000. I mean, <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. They needed Daniel House. That's really what it came down to. Of course they, they did. They needed, my, they needed my... They're in trouble, by the way. They, they, I don't think they're good enough to, uh, to go far in the playoffs. I don't think Westbrook is a guy that can go to the Western Conference Finals or win the finals this year. They should be better than last year and maybe not as good as the year before that. If but that makes why sense. should they be better than last year? Chris Paul is better than Russell Westbrook. I don't know at this stage of their careers. 
two I'd years rather ag- have Chris Paul to to work with what James Harden does as opposed to Russell Westbrook just dribbling out the shot clock and taking a bad shot. CP3 doesn't do that. It's funny that we're looking at this box score. James Harden taking 38 shots and Russell Westbrook taking 30 and thinking Harden probably should have taken 48 and Westbrook yeah. 20. Oh, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. At 38 wasn't enough. Or, yeah. you know, conversely, Clint Capella, who shot 100%, maybe, maybe get him one more look or like P.J. Yeah. Tucker one more look. But yeah, I mean, between those two guys, this, this is the Westbrook thing, man. This is... This is why Oklahoma City kept running into issues even when Paul George was just dominating on the offensive end. Westbrook had to get his 22 shots. But I do think they are better than last year. I do think Houston's a little bit better. This is, you know, this is a weird game. They blew a lead. Everybody does that. Against a San Antonio team, they probably didn't take too seriously. Uh, and then, you know, Lonnie Walker got hot. But anyway, listen, uh, he's Brandon Marcus. I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball in Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. You came for the stories and you'll stay for the buy lows and sell highs at BD Marcus on Twitter. I see you, Mr. 900. I Ooh, see you. Yeah, that yeah. happened quickly, man. That happened real quick. The fantasy landscape doesn't wait. It waits for no one. If you're answering questions on Twitter and doing podcast segments where you buy low and sell high, they will find you. It's like Field of Dreams out here. It's true. I'm getting a lot of questions. I'm waking up to questions. I'm going to sleep to questions mm-hmm. and get throughout the day. It's a... Uh, it's a lot of stuff here and there. Yes, it is. Welcome to the madness. Let's get you some more of it. Um, can we do a redux before we dive into the new ones? Yes. I want to talk about Larry Markinen. actually, is the first one, because we talked about him, uh, I think, each of the last two weeks, although I'll admit my memory is a little bit hazy. I think it was just last week. Was it just? Okay. Yeah, your memory is better than mine. I, I Three-year-old memory over here. Um and he actually had a really good game against Sacramento. He actually had a decent game against Portland, although he missed a bunch of shots. He was actually more involved in each of the last two games for Chicago. So I guess my question, we'll see if we can agree on this. Um, trend or little blip here? I'm, I'm a little bit confident, actually. It seemed like he's been more engaged the last couple. Worth enough to say it's a trend just because one of two things are going to happen. He's either going to continue to play well and the Bulls will win a game here or there, or he will be poor, and the Bulls won't have enough to win, and therefore Boylan will get fired, and therefore Markinen will then become a player that you want to own. So does any of this have anything to do with Chris Dunn being in the starting lineup, having a a pass-first point guard to run the offense with Markinen, as opposed to Levine, who's really more of a shoot-first guard? It's possible. I mean, it's... It's interesting because you have so many guards over there and uh, you wonder with marketing if it was just if it's just confidence because it's funny you, you compare him to Mike Conley right now and which player would you rather have I, I would say you'd rather have marketing right yeah yeah okay yeah give me marketing by a nose yeah but I'm doing yeah it's because of the confidence and the fact that marketing just I think has the higher upside. Um, interesting, by the way, that you even had to think about that, that you still are that high on Mike Conley, because at this point, uh, I'm not sure what I would give up to get him. I'm not sure if I would give up a top 85 guy to get him, despite the fact that he's been great. I think I would. We're talking about Conley now. Yeah. Yeah. But but I was just comparing it because of marketing two guys that are in slumps. Yeah. They both proven they've been good. Deep slumps. Marketing shooting 35 and a half percent on the year. What's Conley at? He's not that far from that. 37 percent on the year. Um, 
so from a buy low perspective, it, it does make a ton of sense. Those numbers are not going to hold. But it, it's really like you said, it's about confidence. It's about uh, a measure of engagement. And I like it. I like it. I feel like the buy low recommendation is actually, you know, functioning okay faster than I expected. I thought it, I mean, I, I honestly, honestly, God, I had no idea when Markinen might start to show signs of waking up. But the fact that his last ball game was arguably like his second or third best game of the year, that's something, you know, four three pointers, that's a big deal. I actually got in there, took some damn shots for once. He's never going to be a steals or blocks guy. He's, he's always sort of built to be kind of a, a poor man's Kevin Love type. Um, are you still buying low on him? Is is this an opportunity? Or, or do you think the person that has him is now thinking, hey, this is a sign of waking up. Was it enough? I guess, the, uh, let me re- rephrase that. Is this the type of two-game blip for Markkinen that only fantasy crazy buffs like us, like our listeners, pick up on? Or do you think the average Joe saw that game and thought, ooh, here he comes also? I think his owner saw what's happened the last couple of games, but I think it's worth it to still try. I mean, you look at his last couple of years. He finished 40 in per game last year, 66 the year before, and right now he's sitting at 164. So there's he's going to go up, and now you try and evaluate rest of season, not just what they're going to end at, but rest of season from here until the end of the year, Who's going to be the best asset? So if you give up a top 70 guy, sure, he may end up better than Markkinen. But from now until the end of the year, who's going to be better? And more than likely, it's going to be Markkinen. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Let's get into the new guys here. Um, who you got? You're, 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 my, you're my prepared guest. So who you got? <laughs> uh, for the first one, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Porzingis. And it's a weird one, I know, because he's someone that has battle injuries there's the questions of load management that we haven't seen a ton of yet um but in his three years finished 19 in 2017-18 34 the year before 49 the year before that right now he's at 76 and it's interesting the only reason why he's even that high is because of his 2.2 blocks per game yeah if rid of those he would be way down out of the top 100 most likely he's averaging 16 half points per game about nine rebounds, 2.2 threes, 2.2 blocks, like I said. He's shooting under 40% when his career is more like something around 44%. His free throw percentage is just under 70. Yeah, it's when weird. He's shooting 79% pretty much every single year. So there's a lot of room for growth. And because of that, I'm willing to take the gamble if this guy becomes someone that eventually returns like a third-round pick, even though he's playing very much not like that at the moment. So, um, is this someone that you'd pursue even in a head-to-head format? Actually, today is a really interesting day to talk about KP because this is a back-to-back for Dallas. We we don't have word yet on whether he's sitting this thing out. Mavericks have really, actually haven't had a back-to-back in almost a month. It's it's a pretty weird stretch to have that happen, but they've been fortunate, and now they actually have two of them in a row. Uh, yesterday, today, and then the 7th and 8th coming up uh, over the weekend. Um is that a guy you're willing to, to take a gamble on in head-to-head, knowing he's probably going to miss about 10 games the rest of the way? Yeah, just because his production is going to be so good probably when he's on the floor and you have the ability. I mean, this guy could seriously be someone that once he gets going is hitting games where he's scoring 20, 20 to 25 on a random night and then adding 10 rebounds and then a couple of blocks and a couple of threes. And that's not something you get very often for many guys. 
I am dot 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 100% in agreement with you on this one. And and it, from a roto perspective, it's basically a no-brainer because the, you know, a missed game here and there with a games cap is is really a small factor. The the free throw percent being that low, it feels very much like someone who just hasn't played in forever. The field goal percent, I think some of that is, you know, a different system. He is attempting more three-pointers, but at the same time, even within those categories, his three-point percentage is down about 5% from uh, last year to this year. And he's only taking... It, it, some of it is the percentage of shots that are from downtown. So I don't know that he's going to get all the way back to 43 44% from the field. I'm just going to conservatively, in my mind, say, you know what? He's just going to have a terrible field goal percent year. But free throws coming up. Uh, yeah. almost without question. Uh, I, attempts might even go up in that regard. Uh, his volume probably stays relatively close to what you're looking at right now. So to me, even in a worst-case scenario, he moves from you know late 60s, early 70s range to probably inside the top 50. Uh, so then the question, the other half of all of our bylaws, is what are you giving up to get him? Because there is a lot of name power behind KP. But he wasn't... He wasn't a buzz guy, right? Because he was coming off the injury. Everybody knew there was going to be load management, so he didn't get drafted that early. He's different than some of the guys we've talked about, Brandon, where we're like, well, you're going to have to give up too much even in a buy-low scenario. This is a guy that was drafted probably in the 50s in most leagues. Yeah, and then you wonder what you would give up to get him, like you said. I mean, you look at... uh, It's tough because you have, for example, a guy like Robert Covington. Rather, have Covington... Or Porzingis rest of the season? I think I'd rather have Porzingis. Yeah, I think so too. And I love uh, Rob Covington. Yeah. Isaac or Covington? I mean, Isaac or Porzingis? Isaac. I'll keep Isaac there. That's what I thought. Okay. That's uh, um, uh, almost, even if that's just for the fact that you'll probably get an extra 10 games out of him. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at randomly uh, my team, for example. Who'd <laughs> rather have, Miles Turner or Porzingis? Hmm. That's pretty similar. You're, you're moving laterally there a little bit. Um, I might stick with Turner just for the the hope, just because you know there isn't going to be a load management thing. But that's a pretty similar stat sets between those two guys. By the way, he is my next buy low, so we can kind of do that one together. Um, is Miles Turner and the fact to... that he's coming back from injury? Um, Sabonis has been unbelievable. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that, and that's clearly hurting Miles Turner. But when you look at how good he has been over the last couple of years, I still think there's room for growth for him. Um, his field goal percentage is down. I think part of that is due to him taking more threes, mm-hmm. averaging almost two threes a game. And his field goal percentage is at 44.9 as opposed to the year before at 48.7. Um, free throw percentage is down again. So there's another one where free throw percentage is down. And blocks are down 0.4 rebounds are down by one. I just think that there's room for growth. Um, I know Sabonis is stealing some of those rebounds, so that's part of it, but I still think that he's a better player. But yeah, so I think we can do those two together since we've really established that those two are pretty much the same value Yeah, in terms of what you would ask for in return. Yeah, so I'm looking at some of the guys right now. Miles Turner, Chris Stapps, Singers, they're both ranked in that late 60s, early 70s range, depending on what site you're looking at uh, to get your rank numbers. Some of the guys ranked in front of those dudes that I think are interesting lobs. Boyan Bogdanovich of Utah. He's actually coming off two bad games. If you throw him out there after one of his explosions, that that's an interesting name. Um, I would have said Thomas Bryant, but obviously that one 
uh, not anymore. Um, Montrez Harrell is about a half round in front of those guys. I think I'd rather have those dudes and they're not tank your field goal percent stuff than Montrez. What do you, how do you feel about that comparison? Yeah, uh, it's funny because everyone thought that Lou Williams and Trez would both take a big hit with PG and Kawhi healthy, but it hasn't really been the case because Doc said yesterday he's trying to play Trez and Lou together as much as possible and PG and Kawhi together as much as possible and then bring them all together in the fourth quarter. And if he continues to do that, Lou and Trez have a chemistry that not many others have. And those two are going to continue to be important for a bench unit when the two stars are not playing more than 30 minutes per game. So Trez, although some may think he's not going to keep up what he's doing right now, it's very possible he does. But I do think that Turner and Porzingis are better at the end of the day. I have a lot of names that I want to I want to go lightning round to this because there's a ton of guys in front of KP and Miles Turner that I think yeah. I would rather have KP and Miles Turner than these names. So let, let's go thumbs up, thumbs down on on whether we um, switch to our buy low guys or, or stick with the original name. Uh, Chris Middleton, I'd rather have the centers we've been talking about. Yes. Um, I'm going to try to skip over the obvious ones. Uh, Zach Levine, I think I'd rather have the centers we're talking about. Uh, that one's a little tougher. Um, although I think Levine will probably get hurt at some point. So yeah, I'll say that those two guys. DeMar DeRozan, I'll take the centers. Really? Yeah, I don't care about his... It's scoring and nothing else with him. And, you know, his field goal percent is very high because he doesn't take threes anymore. I'm just... I'm not a DeMar guy. Interesting, because his field goal percentage is super high. His free throw percentage is great. He's averaging five and a half rebounds and almost five assists per game and almost one steal per game. So he's doing more than you think. Um, And he's playing a ton of minutes. The, the only risk with DeRozan is that that he sits at some point if the Spurs lose games. Or gets moved, I guess. Yeah, that that too. I want the upside, guys. You know he's never going any higher than 45 or 50. It's just never going to happen with him. That's where he's always at. And he's yeah. at 60 right now. That's true. All right, fine, I'll do it. But that's, that's, a, that's one that probably gets accepted, by the way. If you go ahead and you float your DeRozan for their Porzingis do or Turner. Go do it. Go do it. Enjoy the wildness of the guys that can actually win you some categories themselves. Uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., I'll take the centers. Yeah. Paul Millsap. Yes. Uh, all right, now we're starting to get a little bit tougher one. CJ McCollum, I think I'll still take the centers. Uh, that one's tough. Um, McCollum's one that scores a lot as well, and he hits threes, and he he'll finish about... 50 to 60. So mm-hmm. right now he's at 58, which means he's probably going to be stable. And going back to what I said earlier, it means that if someone's stable, someone else is going to rise. And yeah, you probably do that deal. Jalen Brown. I think I'll go the centers. And I think this might basically be the maxing out point. Yeah, I would say Jalen Brown. Yeah, I'm going to go the centers. And that's where you and I diverge. And then as you get higher than that, you're into the guys. No, sorry, are... I would go the center. Sorry, is what I meant. Oh, you would. Uh, okay. Um, as you get higher than that, you sort of, I think you probably stick with the, the regular names aside from some of the fluky ones, like, you know, Andrew Wiggins, that would be an interesting sell high type of thing. Um, what about Brooke Lopez? Uh, I'll stick with, I'll stick with Brooke Lopez, man. He sucks to own. I own him in a league and he is just really boring to own. Yeah, but it's, it's beautiful though. Mid forties. He ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I know. It's tougher in head to head formats. I don't think he's as as good in head to head formats. No, it's it's uh it's the blocks. I mean that's the that's the thing. He does it without 
it, I mean, his field goal percent is low like the other guys we were talking about, but free throw is very high. He gets you some threes. He just doesn't hurt you. He just doesn't hurt you anywhere. Even with the low field goal, he doesn't take that many shots. 41%. Yeah, but he just doesn't shoot. Takes eight and a half shots a game. Yeah, that's um, not great, but he doesn't rebound either, and you want that from a center. You do. You do. Um, yeah, I'd rather have Porzingis, by the way. Yeah, I'm, um, the the games played thing is the part that freaks me out there. And I and uh, uh, as you get above these names, I'm almost exclusively sticking with the uh, the names that we're lobbing out there, except for maybe like I mean, well, Jeremy. Uh, I'll take KP or Miles Turner. Okay. Yeah, I'll get take my proven guy. All right, uh, let's go to the next one on the list. We we knocked out two as a pair there. Yeah, we did two by lows. Um, let's go with a sell high. And the only reason why I'm saying Hassan Whiteside is because I'm nervous to see what happens with the center minutes when Nurkic eventually comes back, because that's most likely going to happen at some point this year. And Whiteside's been incredible. He's been really fun to own. He's getting his points and his rebounds and his blocks. He's shooting well from the field. His free throw percentage is higher than it's ever been at 75.4, which is probably part of the reason why you sell high on him, um, apart from the Nurkic part. He's ranked 34 right now in per game. He's finished as high as 25 um, in the last couple of years. He was seven the year before that. So clearly this is someone that can beast it up. But I just worry about his minutes when Nurkic comes back. But that being said, it's very possible that Skull is the one that gives way to Nurkic when he does come back. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I'm probably in the boat of just ride it out, uh, mostly because... The reason he was so horrid last year was that the the free throw thing. It was the weirdest. Hassan Whiteside's free throw stuff last season is one of the strangest single season anything stat related that I've ever witnessed. I had him, so I basically watched every game in agony and fear as he got fouled, stepped to the line, and took, I kid you not, a different free throw Every single game, he just, he had a different stroke. Like there were games where he stepped into it. I know he does some of that this year. There were games where he stepped, he was like two feet back from the line. There were ones where, I mean, I was half ready to see him step to the free throw line, take his left hand, cover his eyes and just flip it up towards the, it was the weirdest damn thing. He shot 45% on, you know, three and a half a game. So it wasn't, it wasn't nothing. And otherwise, his numbers were actually pretty good last year. You know, 12 and a half points, 11 rebounds, two blocks a game. That's not that far off from his 15 and 12 this year. Yeah. Of course, the big difference, 30% better at the free throw line. That's jumping him from top 100 to top 40. He was at 70% the year before that, which is why I was actually relatively high on Hassan last season. Um, 75%, like you noted, is a a crazy career high. I, I don't know if that can hold all season long. Um, does he come down a little bit? Yeah, I think probably I'm the main reason that I'm going to hold is that I don't know if Nurk plays this year because Portland looks horrible. They're eight and 13. And by the time he's healthy, they might basically be cooked. So here's the question for you. If you think you can get someone that's a top 30 player, because right now he's at 34. Yes, you do it. Okay. If I can get a top 50 guy for Hassan Whiteside right now, I do it. Anything below that, I think I'm riding it out. See, there you go. That's what that's what the buy low thing is. I think his name is carries enough weight and he's producing enough where you're able to get someone that 
you may not otherwise be able to get for someone that is sitting in that range. And I don't think I'd use him to go get a buy low guy either cuz there's you're 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 attaching risk when you're trying to get out from under a risk. If that yeah, makes any that sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. But I think you can put white side with somebody else and get a guy let's say like Kemba Walker for example. Oh yeah, I think you could. You put you put I mean they're only separated by a few slots right now. So you put white side with like a top 75er, you could probably get that done. Something like that is is uh, the thing that I would probably go towards trying to do. I would trade Hassan Whiteside. I mean, obviously, statistical need on your team. This is in a vacuum kind of thing. Like, if you desperately need the rebounds and blocks that he provides, you have no one else on your team doing it. You probably don't make some of the moves I'm about to say. But looking at some of the names uh, within about a round behind him with maybe more staying power, uh, I look at guys like Jason Tatum, Demodis Sabonis, uh, Tobias Harris, I think, fits into that mold. Those are three names that are right behind him in ranking that I'd probably rather have from a safety perspective the rest of the year. But again, as I just mentioned, you're basically forfeiting blocks in any of those trades. In some of them, you're forfeiting rebounds as well. In a Sabonis one, you're not. Um, but you're you're abandoning risk and giving up one round of value. I think that's a reasonable trade. Yeah. The one thing also is that Portland only plays 17 total games during the playoffs. Um, so they have one four game week. They go three, three, four, three, two, two. So just something to kind of keep in mind as mm. well. So they go real low during the, the mega silly season. Hopefully most people's leagues are over by then. That's my hope, at least. End it. End it before the final 10 days, people. Please, Lord, if you didn't do it this year, convince your commissioner to do it next year. Do not play until... What does it go? Is April 8th the last day or the 15th? I think it's the 8th. Not sure. Maybe it's the 15th. Regardless, skip the last 10 days, please. None of the players we're talking about right now are going to matter in those last yeah, 10 days. True. It's true. You're going to have guys that are sitting left and right. You have your Kawhis that are going to be sitting. You have your mm-hmm. PGs that will be sitting. Top 10 guys will be sitting. Harden may even sit a game. Probably not. Um, <laughs> Luca, yeah. who knows? They can't. Poor Mike D'Antoni. Maybe someday he'll convince a player on his team to take a game off. By the way, why would Luka not win MVP? He should be right now. I mean, I know there's a lot of buzz for Giannis, and deservedly so, but Dallas is nowhere close to where they are without Luka, and he's averaging damn near a triple-double. Yeah, I, I think from a Giannis won it last year, let's let's try to move it around the league ty- kind of thing. He's He should be the lead horse um, because everywhere else you look, it's, it's, well, I guess Giannis is not really a duo either. He's got Bledsoe and... Middleton, so two really good players. But as you look at some of the other best teams in the NBA, Lakers have a star duo, Clippers star duo. Um, the Nuggets' main superstar has been kind of bad, uh, yeah. so that takes them off the table. Rockets have a superstar duo, and and they're not really in that conversation right now anyway. Um, in the East, I don't know how you make a case for any one player on the Raptors they have multiple guys that have been really good. Sixers, same deal, multiple guys. Celtics, multiple guys. Jimmy Butler actually deserves some votes for MVP, by the way. <laughs> he's not going to get that many. Yeah, he's been awesome. And the Heat are 15 and 5. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. But he's not putting up the numbers that Luka is. It's a very different stat line. This, this is the amazing thing about nine category leagues. Those two guys are only separated by two slots in ranking in nine cat. Yeah. Uh, 
and they're doing great things for their teams. I always thought, I think I yelled about this a bunch last year when Spolster was just rotating losers in and out of the lineup in Miami. It was just like, can this team just get one damn star just to build around just someone with some actual gravity on the floor? Nobody needed a superstar more than the Miami Heat. They did everything they had to. Once again, somehow Pat Riley pulls it off. A big shout out, by the way, to Kendrick Nunn. I decided to stream him with today, with games yesterday and today, three of 16 yesterday. Big shout out to you, Kendrick. He's going to be good for you, though, because Dragic is out for a couple weeks. Yeah, but I'm literally doing it just for two games in two days. And mm. so that, that was just not ideal. Mm. Yeah, you might end up wanting to hang on longer than that. I think he's going to go on a little run here with Tyler Harrow now, his only guard competition coming off the bench. Um, okay, so finishing up the thoughts on on Hassan Whiteside uh he he's in the 30s right now 15 12 two blocks good field goal better than expected free throw percent does he come back a little bit um i just to kind of complete my my loop here on Yusuf Nurkic his his injury was so gruesome we've had almost no updates on him pretty much for months now i think if he comes back it's probably march yeah, apparently O'Shea, Neil O'Shea is not really saying when he's going to be back, which is not ideal, um, but it's possible that it happens, yeah, like you said, late February and March. So I'm not too worried about that. I'm more worried about the free throw and the fact that the team is is kind of whack this year. Yeah. yeah, they don't really have much of a backup either. They really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that he's got enough name recognition. That free throw percentage does worry me at how bad it was mm-hmm. last year. Um, Call him a baby, a baby sell high. Yeah, 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 baby, baby sell high. I'll give you a bigger sell high. All right, let's do this one. This will be our. This will be our last one. I want the big guy. This is my old friend with the Clippers. Um, I'm going Gallo, and the only reason why I'm doing that is because he's going to get hurt. Oh, he's definitely going to get hurt. Yeah, that, that's the only reason why I'm doing it. Has I mean, he missed he, a game yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. He he's played in 19 games. The most he's played is 68. Yeah. Was that last year? Last year the Clippers played 68. And we he had an amazing year obviously. That's 14 games he missed. That's a lot of games. Yeah, and we called that a huge success. Yeah. Uh, he's going to miss games. He's been great. There's no doubt about it. He's sitting at 42 right now. Um his field goal percentage is about where it's normally free throw percentage always good. Not- yeah, 91's always good. He's he's a beast. Uh, more threes than he's had in several years. He's just he's a good player. But the only reason why I'm doing it is he's gonna get hurt. Yeah. Um. That one is that one's a oh boy. That's a tough one to figure out what you ask for in return because I don't. I think most fantasy leagues, if you're trying to unload him, people are looking at him with a skeptical eye. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, but look at he's not ranked. He's ranked about a half round behind Hassan Whiteside right now. So it doesn't put them in that different company. Uh, the same guys that I mentioned before. Demonis Sabonis right next to him. You probably can't get him for Gallo, actually, if I if I had to guess. You might be able to get Tobias Harris. I would make that move. Um, looking a tiny bit farther down the charts, you could probably get Jalen Brown for him. Uh, you could almost definitely get Kelly Oubre for him. CJ McCollum, DeMar DeRozan, Rob Covington. I think that's about as far down as I'd look. Maybe Zach Levine and or Ricky Rubio. Have any of those guys you'd keep Gallo over that I just listed? Mm. Ubre, maybe. Levine. I might keep Gallo over Levine. 
Yeah. So that's probably the that's probably the line there is mid sixties. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't going any farther down. You so, look farther down the chart. I'm keeping Gallo. And uh, one quick note. We'll, Ooh, we'll, I want to curb your enthusiasm. This whole thing. I want to tie it all together, Larry David style at the end. But but do your note first. My one thing is we've discussed Mitchell Robinson a bunch, and he hasn't been good, and he's continuing to commit fouls. And I know he's a huge buy low for you. I'm curious if the foul trouble worries you at all. No, I actually like the fact that he's just going nuts on skates when he's out there. Uh, we, we've seen what happens to some of these young guys when they try to stop fouling. Uh, they stop blocking. Jaron Jackson Jr., who's been better, by the way, lately. Field goal percent finally getting back up there. Uh, he's inside the top 100 now. He's still only blocking 1.1 shots per game. He's still picking up fouls while attempting to avoid doing so. Uh, for Mitch Rob, I- I'd rather he just play 20 minutes a game and go out there and try to block everything. You know, a-, a lot of the stuff actually is not that different for him season over season. It's just that the blocks are actually down a tiny bit on a per minute basis. When he was getting up into 20 minutes range last year, you know, he was at two and a half to three blocks most nights. And this year he's at 1.9. The other stuff, almost a carbon copy. Like, look at his two seasons right now. Last year, he averaged 20 minutes, 36 se- uh, seconds per game, 7.3 points, 6.4 boards, 0.8 steals, 2.4 blocks, so combined 3.2. This year, he's averaging 8 seconds fewer per game. Field goal percent is down 1%, so I'm going to call that a wash. Free throw is actually up 1%, so we'll call that a wash. Up to, up one point, same rebound, same assist. Turnovers are actually up a tiny bit, but I sort of don't care because it went from a half to 0.9. Steals down from 0.8 to 0.6, blocks down from 2.4 to 1.9. I think they've taken a little bit of the zip out of his fastball. I say just turn him loose. Let him go nuts. They have this weird, I think New York has a strange, maybe it's because they signed 55 veteran power forwards that all feel like they should be trying to win each night. They're not starting him, which is so strange. No, well, that I don't know what they're doing out there. Fizdale's, I, I still think he's trying to get fired. He's doing everything he can to get fired, and they're not doing it. Because they, they don't want to. By the way, once D'Angelo Russell has a big game tonight, go ahead and trade him. Yeah, you got ten in a row, man. Ten in a row without a back to back. I think you got a good stretch here to try to unload some Warriors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all about buying low on Mitchell Robinson. The only thing that's down is the blocks. Those those should level off, I believe. Uh, he'll ends up inside the top 100, and someone's probably getting annoyed with him right now. But let yeah. me let me uh, let me Larry David this bad boy. Um, yeah. We talked about Gallo as the biggest sell high. We talked about KP and Miles Turner as the the buy lows. Gallo or either of the centers? Rather have the centers. I agree. I agree. And they're separated by like two and a half rounds right now. Yep. There's there's our match. There's our beautiful, glorious match. We did it. We, Even though last week we said we would do uh we would trade away Kawhi for Jokic. I'm not sure I would still oh, do that. Oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm going to be doing a gigantic Jokic rant later in this podcast, but I watched that Laker game last night, and he looked horrible. He's still a buy low, but, yeah, Kawhi was too much. I needed to, I needed to see it with the eye test. You got to be – if you're trading for Jokic right now, you should be looking to give up someone currently ranked between 15 and 30, not someone currently ranked 10. You can get him for less. Maybe a guy like Kemba. In fact, maybe. In fact, here's my request. The person that has Jokic in your league that's telling you, no, I'm not parting with him for anything less than a first rounder, tell them to watch his next basketball game. It, <laughs> it changed everything. Now, okay, again, I'm going to have a long rant later. Uh, 
the competition was Anthony Davis, which is not going to be the case every night. You're not going to run into the arguably the best defender at the NBA. Uh, but he was he was slow and out of sync, and he tried to do the Jokic thing where he, he, he sort of tried to force himself to be more involved late, and AD just stuffed him every single time. Like, he, there, was, there was nowhere to go. If someone with Jokic watches a game like the one he played against the Lakers yesterday, they'll abandon ship for a lot less than a first-rounder. I can, I can basically guarantee that. Um, yeah, Kemba's 29. That's an interesting one to throw out there. LaMarcus Aldridge at 27. Brogdon, a huge sell high at 26. You're not going to get him for Brogdon, but just throwing some names out there. Um, I don't know how much higher than that I'd go. Maybe Kyle Lowry because he's so injury prone. Jonathan Isaac, I might consider doing as he starts to to you know the the blocks start to level off a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going all the way up to Kawhi at this point anymore. Can't do it. Yeah, not gonna do it. Um, Brandon, thank you, my good man. Always coming prepared. Hey, that's that's my goal here. I, I want to make sure that the people get what they want and they enjoy Brandon Day. And so I'm going to make them continue to enjoy Brandon Day. I do like the third person aspect of all of this. Uh, he, he's Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus on Twitter. Give him a follow post haste. Brandon, I'll talk to you for our premium show on Monday. Sounds like a plan. Talk to you then, bud. Toodaloo. And that was the marvelous Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus on Twitter. As always. Cover them by lows and sell highs. That's how we make our incremental improvements to fantasy teams at this part of the year. It's hard to find a guy out on the waiver wire right now that's going to put up the the type of game-changing numbers that you're looking for. So you have to find little ways to improve as well. We're also, we're not there yet. This is the, I think this is the point that I want to add on here. We're not at the point of the year yet where you have to be overly concerned with your team makeup. And obviously that is always going to be a big deal because whatever you've accumulated to this point is is not completely irrelevant. But as you make these trades, and, and I'm as guilty doing it as the next guy, is you don't want to worry that you're getting a better player if it, if it impacts you in a negative way from a, a stat set perspective. That's the, that's the part that I think needs to really be stressed here. I'm guilty of it, as I just said. When someone offers me a guy that I think I want, but I'm just like, oh, you know what? I don't really need those extra rebounds. The thing is, you can go take them, take that better guy, and flip him, or flip your other guy that does well in the rebounding department. There's still time. January is truly the month where you need to really hone in on ROI in your trades. You can actually start trading for a lower-ranked guy if he provides a particular stat that you're looking for, whether that's something that's going to take you into a head-to-head playoff matchup or in Roto, something that helps boost you in a particular category to add a few points here and there. So that's, we're a month away, maybe a little over a month even. You could could probably call it mid-January from the point at which you really start to focus on the ROI of different statistical categories. And right now, you can really focus on just getting the best overall value. Still do that. That's why we're talking about buy lows and sell highs. And that's why we're talking about trying to make those incremental improvements to your team. The better ranked guy is going to make your team better. Your John Madden analysis for the evening. Want to remind everybody to check out the Bruise Letter, Volume 6? I lost track. Volume 6 came out on Monday. You can sign up at hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. 
hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. There's also a pop-up tab that'll appear the first time you visit hoop-ball.com. So that's a pretty easy thing to get to. If you just go to the homepage, you can fill in your email address and your first name right there and you get yourself all squared away that direction. But get on the list, man. Aaron Bruski is churning out this ridiculous month or weekly article. It's every Monday. He's setting you up for crazy success with a spin around the league, with a deep dive on uh, the Kings, with a deep dive just on the NBA in general. And if you're not signing up for it, you're missing out. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Let's look at uh, some of the results from Tuesday. Some fun ones in there. Detroit blew out Cleveland. That was not one of the fun ones. Uh, unless you had Andre Drummond, then it, then it probably was. Um, Derek Rose actually played really well in his 22 minutes. He probably would have, would have played a little bit more down the stretch if this wasn't yet another Detroit Pistons blowout. Is that the darndest thing or what? Every damn game they play is a massive blowout. I can't figure this thing out. They, they've won their last two. Okay, they had a, a couple of tighter ones with Charlotte, but it was blowout with Orlando. They got beat by Milwaukee. They blew out Atlanta. They lost in a blowout to Chicago. They've had two close games in their last, what are we looking at now, eight? Very weird. So as a result, everybody's minutes have been bouncing around. I wouldn't put a ton of stock in it, but they, they do want to keep Rose in that probably 25 range in competitive ball games, and so I'm going to keep him on my team. We've talked about Luke Kennard's arrow pointing down. It continues to be. His usage is dropping. He's one of the lower ones on the team now. You know, from an efficiency standpoint, he's going to probably stay relatively decent, but the opportunity is just evaporating. And Christian Wood got 20 minutes again in another blowout, but he's buried behind Markeith Morris, who, by the way, took a, a chop to the neck in this ballgame. I don't know what that's going to mean going forward for him. But even if Christian Wood slides into that backup power forward minutes as well, it, it's, it's going to be tough to kind of get him over the hump unless Blake Griffin misses some more time. Then you start to think about how this could be a more interesting thing. But how about Drummond, though? Nearly a 5-by-5. Five five. He was an assist and a block away, and if he had to play in the fourth quarter, he probably would have gotten there. Cleveland's terrible. Uh, Larry Nance stayed just barely above the cut line in this ballgame. Uh, Kevin Love had a rough one. Tristan Thompson got his double-double but missed a bunch of shots in the process, and just, you know, when you get waxed to put up 94 points and your starters don't get to play the fourth quarter, you're not going to have particularly good numbers for the ballgame. Pretty straightforward stuff, isn't it? Moving right along. Not much that I'm doing as a result of that basketball game. Orlando-Washington, 127-120. This, by the way, was the Magic actually slowing this ball game down. Big news from this one. This is going to be uh, obviously one of our pausing points, and, and I know we sort of mentioned it briefly a little bit earlier in the podcast, but we got to spend some time on Thomas Bryant. First thing is, let's break down this ball game. Number one, Markel Fultz continues to have a much larger role with no Nick Vucevic in there. His... He's become their third playmaker behind uh, Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier, and sometimes he's actually moving in front of a couple of those guys. DJ Augustine had a really nice ball game here, but you know, you're know you not buying into that too much. Terrence Ross is a guy that I liked a lot as your 10th man. I think you can do better. He doesn't quite look like the same guy as last year. He's doing some stuff, but it's just he's fallen into a bad specialist pattern that was... He was always really close to that, even last season when he was putting up some better numbers. But, you know, he would sort of accidentally walk into a rebound or an assist, and those aren't happening at all this year. So I think I'm out on Terrence Ross. I rescind my Terrence Ross card. I, I just go hunting at this point. He's, there's no upside there. Um, 
useful as a streamer more than anything. Uh, but Markel Fultz is better than a streamer right now. I don't know if this is going to stick when Vooch is back, when this team gets healthy. I know Minu's out as well. Mo Bamba, Kem Birch, I don't care for any of these guys. Kem Birch played 29 minutes, had a usage rate of 1. He took one shot in this game in 29 minutes. How insane is that? Nine boards, five assists, two blocks. It's amazing he actually had a decent fantasy line with one shot attempt. Nope. Jonathan Isaac had a poor shooting game, but he continues to rumble right along with uh, his you know, generally top 20 numbers on the season. And then Evan Fournier is just trucking this year, man. He's been great. You could make an argument to sell on Fournier, and I, I probably wouldn't argue with it, and I don't know that he can keep up these top 60 numbers. This is why he was on my D-bombs last year, and then he went into that brutal season-long shooting funk. He was at 46% two years ago. Last season, he dropped to 44. His turnovers were up. His shooting was down. His free throws were down. Everything is now back where it should be this season, and this was the guy that I thought we were getting last year. So, whoops, I missed by a year. But, yeah, anyway, he's I'm actually okay with you guys riding a little bit. He's playing really well with guys banged up. Obviously, his role is going to diminish a bit. Everyone's will when Vooch comes back. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's probably a top 80, top 85 guy this year, and, and that's fine. If you, if you can get something better than that for him, then you do, but I, I doubt you can. I doubt it. All right, the Washington side. This is one where we got to take a little bit of a deep breath because they had no tall people on their team tonight. Um, obviously, Jan Mahimi's been out all season. No uh, Mo Wagner with his ankle sprain, and then no Thomas Bryant. Because yesterday in the afternoon, we got word that Thomas Bryant has a stress reaction that is going to keep him out at least three weeks. He's going to be re-evaluated in three weeks. That's rough, man. Because that doesn't mean that he's coming back at three. That just means they're going to check things out. Stress reactions sometimes get better, and sometimes they don't. So this could be three weeks. It could be four. It could be six. It could be two months. In any case, you're picking up Mo Wagner and you're doing it last night. Before this podcast even came out, you're picking him up. I know that he's out right now, but he'll be back very soon, and he's the only guy on their team that can really play center. They had centers on their team, and they got away with it because the opposing center was Kem Birch, who wanted nothing to do with actually shooting a basketball. But it's not going to work like that every game. Uh, Davis Breton saw some time at center. Rui Hachimura saw some time at center. They got out-rebounded by 10, not surprisingly, without a center on the floor. Um, and when Wagner comes back, he's probably going to play about 24, 25 minutes a game. He has foul issues, so you have to hope that he can stay up in that territory. And, and sometimes playing with a starting unit actually doesn't help people, but he's got to be on your team. He has to be. He's going to be soaking up a bunch of extra opportunity. It doesn't really matter who he's on the floor with. They're going to need him to play, and he's been right basically on the borderline of, of being a 12-team uh, guy in only 19 minutes a game. He's number 110. So throw that 19 minutes up to 23-24, give him another 20% on what he's doing right now. That takes 12 points up to almost 15. That takes 5.5 rebounds up to 6.5 or 7. He's up at two assists. He's near a steal and a block. I don't know that the per 36s hold exactly, but that's a guy. The numbers that I just described with 60% from the field, no way that holds all year. But mid-80s at the free throw line is very doable. He's got a nice stroke. 
That's a guy that's inside the top 75, and we could potentially get that for two months. So he absolutely positively must be added to your teams post-haste. So Wagner's got to be on your team. And then this does extend to some of the other guys on the club as well. Davis Bertans, who should already have been on your fantasy team, but, you know, obviously he's a guy that needs to be owned. He's number 64 in 9-cat right now, and there's no way that's taking a step back with Thomas Bryant going down. Rui Hachimura is a guy that I have, and I think for good reason, basically said is not 12-team worthy at least not until potentially super late in the year when they're just like, Rui, go do whatever the hell you want. He's number 131 in 27 minutes a game. They're giving him carte blanche to just go take a buttload of shots. He gets no defensive stats. He gets no three-pointers. Both of his percentages are good, and that's floating his value right now. He probably soaks up a little bit of extra time as well. Not that his minutes weren't already pretty high at 27, but those could go up to 29, even if it's just two extra minutes. And maybe there's more happening at the center position for him. Or maybe there's more happening at power forward if he was ever sliding down and going smaller than that. So he's a guy where I have to adjust my expectations as well. He's probably owned in every league, and he was, frankly, way over-owned. Don't act like you guys knew Thomas Bryant was just going to go down for one to two months. Nobody did. Uh, if Thomas Bryant doesn't get hurt, Hachimura doesn't belong on your fantasy team, but he is hurt, and so Rui probably does now as well. In these last two games, where his minutes have trended way up, with Wagner out, at, now with Brian out, he's played 38 minutes in each of the last two ball games. He had a huge one against the Clippers, 39-3, and three. Uh, and then against Orlando, he played pretty well, 15-6-4, but of course his other stuff does always creep in. No threes, no steals, no blocks. Only one turnover, 50% of his shots made all of his free throws. So that's that sort of other side of the equation. He went three for three at the line, six of 12 from the field. He was really, uh, you know, one steal or like two rebounds away from me saying, this is a pretty good ball. This is a pretty damn good ball game. So this really changes things for Washington because they're not going to go to a deeper team. They're going to give more to the guys that were already doing stuff. That's the Scotty Brooks way. And unless Jan Mahimi comes out of the sky, which... You know, who the hell knows? Maybe he does. Super annoying if he were to. Unless he drops out of the clouds, you have a great opportunity here to nab fantasy value from a bunch of guys that were already performing well. Bradley Beal's going to have to do more. Davis Breton's going to have to do more. Rui's going to have to do more. Wagner's going to have to do a lot more. And then here's another guy I wanted to stop on for a minute, and that's Isaiah Thomas who I'd been mentioning on this podcast, you know, early in the year, he was a guy that I was really excited about. He looked like he was getting a little bit of his bounce back. They moved him into the starting lineup, and everything came apart. You know, his first couple of games were great. As a starter, there's just been, there's been nothing. No steals, which never was really a thing, but, you know, when you're playing against reserves, you can catch idiots making bad decisions and sort of get a couple of freebies in that regard. He's not getting to the foul line. He's attempting one free throw per game, and he's not even really making it this year at 78%. Uh, and the worst part of all of it is that as a starter, he's basically relegated to third or fourth fiddle. Bradley Beal's been obviously feasting, and he should. He's the best offensive player on that team by a wide margin. But then Thomas Bryant, Rui Hachimura, those guys are taking shots in front of Isaiah Thomas. Uh, IT's averaging 10.6 
shots per game. Uh, Thomas Bryant is at 10.2, so they're basically neck and neck in that department. We already mentioned that Hachimura is taking 12 shots a game. That's more. What's Bertans at right now? He's around 10. Uh, Wagner is up in the, what, 7 range, I think. So for IT, as third, fourth fiddle in the starting unit, it hasn't gone that great for him. There, he doesn't have the freedom to operate the way he did playing as a reserve. Well, with no Thomas Bryant and them going ultra small, does that create any more room here? The answer, I think, is softly no. Because the story from this game wasn't necessarily that they just needed more Isaiah Thomas. It was that Ish Smith basically just didn't get to play. And it's not entirely clear why that happened other than maybe he just wasn't having a very good ball game. He hasn't played particularly well in two games in a row. Is it a trend or is it a blip? Fans of Isaiah Thomas are hoping it's a trend, that IT is is turning another little corner in his recovery from basically playing no basketball for like two years. Um, but people that have watched the way things ebb and flow are also probably saying, well, I mean, what's to stop Ish from having a couple good ball games and getting 22, 23 minutes again and turning IT back into you know, just playing alongside the other high-usage starters. The reason that something like this works is that maybe you can get him out there either long enough to just get enough shots, or maybe without some of the high-usage guys, and he can go have a little bit of freedom to run. So I'm going to do the same thing I've been doing with him. I'm sticking him on my bench. I'm going to see how this thing plays itself out. Uh, If you're in unlimited games format, head-to-head type of thing, you can keep rolling him out there because he's not really hurting you. He's also just not helping all that much. All right. Glad we paused there for just a second. Uh, Moving along. Miami overtime in Toronto. Jimmy Butler triple-double. He is having a terrific season. This one minimal on the defensive side in an interesting twist. Kelly Olenek bounced back with 35 minutes. It was Tyler Harrow who saw almost no playing time. Kendrick Nunn played a bunch. Couldn't get the shot to drop. Um, I do still think he's going to end up with nine cat value, but barely, like I said, he's the one that's barely hanging on. Uh, although I've also argued at times that Bam and Jimmy Butler are going to be the only guys that stay above the cut line. This is one of those ones where Justice Winslow didn't kill you with percentages. So you get that weird tease of what he could do if he wasn't a disaster in three of the six categories. Don't buy into it. Warning you, it's going to be more trouble than it's worth. It's the Julius Randle phenomenon but worse. Uh, Duncan Robinson had six more three-pointers in his starting role. I I just... Listen, I know that our our job here is to analyze these teams and and really make sense of what they're doing on a night-to-night basis. And... I don't know that there's a perfect way to handle the heat, uh, which is why I'm starting to settle into this Butler and Bam thing and nothing else. Olenek's been good, and then he just totally disappeared in a recent game where he played, whatever it was, six minutes and did nothing. Around that game, he's actually been pretty solid. But that game was a big drag. He put up goose eggs. That counts against you in Roto. He probably does belong on fantasy teams. Generally, he's been pretty good. I start to wonder if maybe he was actually hurt in that ball game or sick or something to that effect. And, you know, nobody in Miami said anything about it. I don't know. I can't say for certain. But it's pretty weird that he basically just didn't play at all. 
and then came back in this one and had a really nice ball game. So Olenek is my third choice on this team uh, behind Butler and Bam. Nunn is my fourth choice. Robinson would be my fifth. I, again, I don't know if you need to go much past the first two. Maybe two and a half. Let's give Olenek the nod as the third, the third voice of reason on this team. Serge Ibaka played 22 minutes in his second game back. That's not far off from where he was before he got hurt. And he's been able to post fantasy value in 22 minutes, so you're probably good to roll him out there. Uh, Norman Powell played well despite the return of Kyle Lowry. I don't expect that's going to hold up long term. Lowry went 2 for 18 shooting in this ballgame. Not surprisingly, they lost. Always fade a team getting a superstar or star player back from injury. It wrecks things every time, and it did it again. Freddie Van Fleet trending down with Lowry back. Powell trending way down. I know that he put it off for a ball game. Chris Boucher did not play. Rondé Ellis-Jefferson saw only 16 minutes. So we're, we're sort of getting back to what we expected in the early going, which is Lowry, Freddie Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, who didn't play all that much in this one. He lost his playing time to Norman Powell, actually, but I don't think that's going to be the case every night. Uh, OG, you should keep on your fantasy team, but those of us that were trying to be sold the bill of goods that he was going to be a top 40 guy, we sort of knew that wasn't going to be the case. He's, he's back now in that top 80, top 90 range where 3 and D guys usually end up, which is fine. That's useful. It's just not the guy that people were like, oh, he's going to be a top 40 guy this year. Nah, just, you know, not enough opportunity. Marcus Soul still just barely doing enough to find a roster spot in a lot of places, but at 164, I really feel like you probably could have just moved on and not worried about it by this point. He's done so very little in, a, in so many categories, and the 32% shooting does need to level off somehow, doesn't it? He's made a few more shots in his last two ball games. We'll see if that holds up. At this point, if you've held on this long, you probably just sort of keep doing it. But, you know, he's, he's over-owned on name value alone. And there's so many players out there that are not on rosters that are ranked higher than Marcus Gasol that fantasy continues to be a very screwball thing. Dallas blew out New Orleans. Luka Doncic, 33-18-5. Um, Tim Hardaway had 12-3-2 and in a blowout, so he didn't get back in late in this ballgame. He had a really good first half. Uh, only two points, I think a, a couple rebounds and a block after the halftime intermission. DeLon Wright did get 24 minutes, which is enough for 9-cat value for him, so that's something to keep an eye on if he could potentially do it again. Kristaps Porzingis... Um, Another back-to-back coming up, so he'll probably sit out the next one, and, and maybe that means Dwight Powell gets to do a little bit more for one game only. Seth Curry had a big one off the bench. We'll have to see that happen again. If it does, that'll be a big thump against Tim Hardaway, who, you know, to his credit, played basically alongside the other starters in this game. You know, it wasn't like he got displaced, so I'm hanging on there. You know, Timmy looked pretty good in this one, even in you know, a little bit more of a limited time and limited role of, of a blowout. For the Pels, uh, still without Derek Favors, who again, dealing with the uh, the family loss. When he comes back, he's got an easy role in this one. I mean, Jackson Hayes just is not able to do what Derek Favors can do. We get caught up in the hype around fantasy game on rookies. He's just not as good as Favors is. So he'll slide right into a whole bunch of minutes very quickly. Um, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, all worth using on a team that plays as fast as these guys usually do. As it turns out, Ingram was really the only guy to have a decent ball game today. Uh, J.J. Redick was close. We give him 
uh, honorary second marks. Meanwhile, Houston somehow lost in double overtime in San Antonio to a Spurs team that was sitting LaMarcus Aldridge. Derek White started, had 12 points, 3 assists. DeMar DeRozan had 23. Bryn Forbes had 25. Lonnie Walker had 27 points. Jakob Pertl, 6, 15, and 5 with a steal and 5 blocks. He appears to be a pretty damn good fill-in option when Aldridge is out. And that's the upside. He missed his only free throw, by the way. That's the upside if he ever just had full control of the starting front court. But he won't. Aldridge is expected back probably for the next one, although I've made the argument before that the Spurs could just rest him for one more game and he'd end up getting 13 days off. So don't be surprised if they give LaMarcus one more game off. Uh, Rockets are a pretty easy team to handicap. If Daniel House is out, Ben McLemore is going to get more run. Austin Rivers got a little more run. But otherwise, I mean, James Harden in double overtime is sort of not a fair thing to have to go against. He went 24 for 24 at the free throw line in this game. That is bleeping nuts. And they lost because he shot 29% from the field on 38 attempts. Oh, <laughs> Clint Capella, 20-20. P.J. Tucker, another brilliant 3-and-D game. 10-8, and eight, 2 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 2 three-pointers. Gotta love that. Uh, and then you just only wish that Daniel House was healthy enough to play in this one because he would have gone double overtime, and it would have been so juicy. They might have won. He's better, by the way, than Ben McLemore and Austin Rivers, if you hadn't noticed. Ah, oh, that Spurs backcourt, though. DeJounte Murray seems like he's actually on the outs right now. I, I think you can pick up Derek White as long as he's starting and playing 25-ish minutes. It's going to be fringy, but if they ever give him a little bit more rope, if someone like DeRozan gets moved, if LaMarcus gets moved in some way, if anything breaks in his favor as the starting point guard, that's good enough for, for use. Lakers Nuggets, uh, I was keeping an eye on JaVale McGee. He'd been sort of almost fringe useful, uh, but in this one, he just, the length of JaVale was not helpful against the girth of Nikola Jokic, which, by the way, is awfully girthy these days. Uh, Rajon Rondo played actually really well in this ballgame. Much as I like to clown on him, he was really good. Ran the offense expertly when LeBron James was not uh, on the basketball. For Denver, it's the same old story. Uh, Gary Harris played a ton of minutes and didn't do anything with them. Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, Nicole Jokic, Will Barton. Uh, Jeremy Grant was okay, but his minutes were not high enough. I got to tell you, man, Jokic looked really bad. Like, really bad. I know we... we and I'm still on board with a buy low because he's not going to stay this bad for the entire season. But I don't know that he's going to get to that top 12 mark on a per-game basis where he was sitting last year. He is supremely out of shape. He's moving slowly. His reads are off. If I'm Michael Malone, I'm pissed at Jokic because he's not himself. This is a guy that looks like he didn't take his offseason seriously. And I know the Nuggets are in second place in the Western Conference behind the Lakers, so it's not like they've had a rough start to the year. They have a big home court advantage, which certainly helps them. Uh, Lakers beat them in their facility, which, you know, everybody's talking about Lakers need a signature win. There you go. Um, that's a bad look, though, for Jokic. Got badly outplayed by his own teammates, many of them, uh, Millsap and Murray in particular, got taken to school by Anthony Davis in this ballgame repeatedly, just defended the crap out of him. He couldn't keep up with AD. Um, 
And everybody's talking about, you know, best centers in the NBA. Jokic is down the list right now. He's got to get it figured out. There's a reason all of his numbers are down, and it's not because his teammates magically got better. Get it together, Nikola Jokic. That's the message of the day. Um, I'll tell you, if you have someone in your league who has Jokic on their team and watched this ball game, they might be more inclined to sell him even lower because he looked horrible. And the eye test plays a big role. If you have someone in your league that doesn't have Jokic that saw this stat line, they might just think, eh, you know, whatever. Another sort of middling stat line from Jokic. The eye test was rough, though. Yeesh. Um, the buy low on him really depends on what you have to give up. I know last week I said maybe I'd give up Kawhi Leonard for Nikola Jokic. I, I don't think that I would do that anymore, having seen the way that the two guys were operating at this point. The reason you go Jokic between those two guys is because you're probably going to get a dozen extra games out of Jokic over Kawhi. So there's a totals aspect that makes a big deal. But Kawhi's going to give you top 15 per game numbers at the very basement because for some reason he can't hit shots right now. And for Jokic, I mean, he barely looks like a fourth rounder the way he's playing these days. So, you know, what good does that do you if your fourth rounder gives you an extra 10 games? That basically brings them to a dead heat. So you better hope that Jokic gets it going soon. So yes, I'd say buy low, but I'm no longer willing to give up as much as I was last week. Having watched the size of him and his movements and stuff like that, he just can't get away with it against some of the better guys in the league. Uh, Portland finally had a test, first one in a while. They've had some pretty wimpy competition, and they did not pass said test. They shot the ball poorly, uh, just got beat up by a team with better defenders. Hassan Whiteside actually looked pretty good. I figured I actually jumped out of Portland radio station uh, yesterday to talk about this game, and I said the only advantage the Blazers have is Hassan Whiteside because Montrez Harrell is going to give you his energy minutes, and that's good, but if he eats a Zubats, is your sort of lumbering ox on that Clippers side, and, and he's going to get worked. And he did. Whiteside had a good ball game, and uh, everybody else struggled, as you figured. Damian Lillard had to deal with Pat Beverly. C.J. McCollum had to deal with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Carmelo Anthony had to deal with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. You know, guys like uh, Mo Harkless and, and freaking Patrick Patterson actually had a pretty decent ball game, and Montrez at times. Um and that's tough. I mean, this is this is why we we sort of called Carmelo Anthony a fringy 12-team 9-cat guy and more of a points league dude because you're going to run into games like this one. If the shot's not falling, the only other stuff he does is rebound. He had a few free throws in this game as well, so that, I guess that was helpful. But, you know, tough shooting nights is going to really... It, it's going to make it awfully hard for Melo to get into that top 109-cat. It's going to be awfully tough. Pretty decent-sized Wednesday card uh, on the docket. want to remind everybody, of course, that if you're interested in getting involved with us here at Hoopball, whether that's on the sales side, the pod side, the written side, something that I haven't even mentioned, do hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or send us an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. We would absolutely positively love to hear from you. Tonight, Wednesday's card. Ten games on the docket. Phoenix is at Orlando. Suns are actually favored on the road. Magic on a back-to-back. Uh, Aaron Baines is day-to-day. Obviously, that is a big factor in what we think is going to happen in this basketball game. If he plays, they probably win. If he doesn't, I honestly don't know. 
Warriors are at Hornets. I would expect to see Draymond Green back for this ball game. Kevon Looney's minutes is something to keep a very close watch on on that Warriors side. He, he looked very rusty and kind of reticent in his first game back, and it's going to take some time. I I said it before. I'll say it again. I think he's a guy you're looking at deploying probably next week at the earliest. My hope was his third or fourth game back, but we'll assess. You know, we don't have to stick with that initial prediction or hope. We'll go based on what we see. Charlotte, I don't care much about. Milwaukee, Detroit, I think we have a pretty good handle on these two teams. This is a back-to-back for the Pistons, so we'll see if uh, Blake Griffin is playing. I assume he's considered questionable. Uh, Derek Rose could potentially sit this thing out. If so, then you obviously have some opportunity there for guys like Christian Wood, especially if Markeith Morris has to miss any time with his neck thing. Um, Luke Kennard would get a big one-game bump when all those other usage guys are out. You can plan ahead for stuff like this, but it requires some pretty good kind of needle threading. Miami-Boston, heat on the back-to-back after the nice overtime win in Toronto. They're going to be a little bit gassed for this ballgame, but we'll keep an eye again on on everybody. Is Kelly Olenek the third guy? Can Duncan Robinson stick? There's... There's a lot of storylines in Miami. None of them have a conclusion yet. Gordon Hayward, uh, decent updates, by the way, but not ready to go yet, so we'll worry about that in due time. Brooklyn, still nothing on the Kyrie front. Sounds like he's going to miss at least two more ball games. so the uh, Spencer Dinwiddie show rumbles along for Atlanta. Kevin Herter, questionable for this ball game. I think based on what we've seen from this team, uh, if Herter gets back before John Collins gets back, he's probably worth a look. But he also profiles a little bit more of a points league kind of guy. A lot of threes, a lot of scoring. Well, not even a lot of scoring. Some scoring, a little bit of rebounding and assist stuff, but not much defensive action. Percentages are fine, I guess. I'm not that high on Herter, but they clearly need someone else to do something on that Atlanta team. So maybe you can stick them on the end of your bench and you know sort of see how it plays itself out. Indy, Oklahoma City, not a whole lot going on in that uh, ball game that we don't kind of already know about from a fantasy standpoint. Memphis, uh, John Moran is week to week, so we're watching guys like Tyus Jones, D'Anthony Melton. Uh, it does Jonas Valanciunas feel well enough to play? He was crushing before he caught this flu bug. Um, so not, a, I mean, the, the same stuff for that team that we've been looking at. Chicago, uh, Chris Dunn. Starting lineup, Chris Dunn. What does that mean going forward? Can he keep the job? If they keep playing well, he could. Does it kill Tomas Sadoransky's value? It also could. So there are definitely lines there. Larry Markin has actually played better the last couple of games. I can't help but wondering if that has something to do with Chris Dunn. More of a pass-first point guard in the starting unit. Someone that's played with Markin before. Someone that's not Zach Levine, who's usually looking for his own shot first. Maybe there's a little bit better chemistry there. Minnesota is at Dallas. Mavericks on the back-to-back after a blowout win last night. You know, still watching Tim Hardaway, watching DeLon Wright. Minnesota side, watching Jarrett Culver. Can he get those percentages up a little bit? Lakers are in Utah. This is a rough back-to-back. I think if I'm the Lakers, I just throw this one. You got a long season ahead of you. You just won in Denver. Brutal altitude-to-altitude back-to-back. Ah, man, if I'm, yeah, just, I'd say just rest everybody. Just get out of this game healthy. Call it a day. Just just give the win up. I, I Honestly, I don't think it's that important. You're 18-3. and three. 
Sacramento-Portland is the last one on the docket. Portland on the back-to-back. They fly home after a game, a late one against the Clippers. This should be uh, a difficult one here, but a winnable one. Should be a hotly contested game on both sides. We'll see now again how those fringe guys on Portland perform, namely Carmelo Anthony, uh, going up against Nemanja Bialica. I mean, that should be a little bit of a better take than what he had to deal with against the Clippers, but, you know, it's another thing they sort of keep an eye on. Uh, if you want some gambling thoughts on these games, watch me on Twitter. Again, that's at Dan Vespers. You can bug me over there. I'll always throw, you know, some thoughts out that way, revenge angles, things of that sort. Uh, and that is basically your show. If you're loving it, if you're enjoying it, again, give Brandon Marcus follow at BD Marcus at Dan Vespers. Rate and review the pod. We need those five-star reviews. We'll love you forever. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody. Again, tomorrow, uh, we will wrap up this big Wednesday card. I think we'll be talking to Coach about DFS today for a first uh, hit in a couple of weeks, so that'll be fun. And uh, then Friday, we'll obviously profile the weekend. So we're, we're coming on the downslope here for week seven of the NBA season. For Brandon, I'm Dan. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.